Memorial Day. Before we get into our service today, I want to recognize people and I want everybody to listen very closely to what I'm about to say because these things are pretty much unplanned. We know that Memorial Day is a day where we remember in our country those who died on the battlefield. But we would be foolish not to recognize those people who served in the United States military on Memorial Day for they put their lives at risk as well. If you served in the United States military, man or woman, we'd like you to stand and be recognized. Please be seated. Years ago, and we're going to take this brief moment in service, and I don't know if anyone has been touched by wars, I was in a nursing home service at a place called Crab Apple on Memorial Day weekend. I sang the songs like we sang this morning about my country tis of thee and God shed his grace on thee and we sang songs about America. And there was very few people who had a dry eye of that generation. They were all over the age of 70. And I began to ask them how many of you were married to a military veteran. How many of you were in the military? And then how many of you have a special memory about Memorial Day? And there was an old lady named Beverly who was locked up in that nursing home, could never leave. She stood up and said at the age of 16, her 18-year-old brother left for the Korean War sometime around 1951, and he never came back. She talked about how he looked. She talked about her friendship with him. And I was amazed as we were here on a Sunday and I was listening to someone who in, you know, around 2016 was remembering her brother who died in 1951. That's what Memorial Day is all about. Remembering the sacrifices that were made. Now we may not have anybody in this congregation who is in the same lot as Beverly, but if there are, I want to take a moment to recognize your loved one. If you are someone here today and someone who was in your life, a family member, an aunt, an uncle, a father, a mother, a son or a daughter, has died in battle for the United States in the military, is there anybody like that today who would be able to stand and give their name? All right, Miss Miss Lonnie. Thank you for sharing that, sister. My neighbor in Indiana, my former neighbor, was a Purple Heart himself who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. There were many people, many friends that he had uh, that died, sometimes in his presence. We should never forget that freedom comes at a price. Uh, the history of, uh, of Memorial Day it used to be called Decoration Day. It was celebrated all over our country after the Civil War, where many, many thousands of soldiers were singing or, or, were, or died uh, during the Civil War. One such place where Decoration Day was, was celebrated was in Charleston, South Carolina, 
where a mass grave was uncovered of 257 soldiers who died in prison camp. On May 1, 1865, former slaves organized a parade led by 2,800 singing black children in which they prayed, read Bible verses, sang spirituals, and reburied the soldiers with honor as an act of gratefulness for the ultimate freedom that they sacrificed. I believe we have a picture on the PowerPoint slide of General John A. Logan in in 1868, commander of the Civil War Veterans Organization. The Grand Army of the Republic called for a decoration day to be observed annually on May the 30th. President James Garfield, his only executive order was in 1881, where he gave government workers May 30th off so they could decorate the graves of those who died in the Civil War. In 1921, President Warren Harding had remains of the unknown soldier. We also have a slide of that. Killed in France during World War I, buried in the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington Cemetery. Inscribed on the tomb is the phrase, Here rests in honored glory an American soldier, known but to God. Since 1921, it has been the tradition of the presidents to lay a wreath on the tomb of the unknown soldier, which is guarded 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Some of our church members were recently able to go and see that. On Memorial Day in 1923, President Calvin Coolidge stated, There can be no peace with the forces of evil. Peace comes only through the establishment of the supremacy of the forces of good. That way lies through sacrifice. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The Memorial Day poem in Flanders Fields was composed during World War I by a Canadian expeditionary gunner and medical officer named John McCrae, who fought in the Second Battle of Ypres near Flanders, Belgium. Describing the battle as a nightmare, as the enemy attacked out one of the first chlorine gas tanks, McCrae wrote, For 17 days and 17 nights none of us had our clothes off, nor our boots even except, even except occasionally. In all that time, while I was awake, gunfire and rifle fire never ceased for 60 seconds. And behind it all was the constant background of the sights of the dead, the wounded, the maimed, and the terrible anxiety, lest the line should give way. Finding one of his friends killed, McCrae helped bury him along with the other dead in the field. Noticing the field covered with poppy flowers, he wrote, In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow. Between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below, we are the dead short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Many veterans, even today, in our town in Indiana, they say, wear a poppy with pride. And they wear a poppy for those who had died during days gone by. I want to encourage you today. We're not having our evening service, but maybe you can go buy some small American flags and visit a graveyard with your family and pay respects to an American soldier who gave their all so that we could have freedom. Thank you very much for honoring our veterans today. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to the book of Matthew, chapter number 26. Matthew, chapter number 26.
As always, I promise not to preach long. If you say amen, enough. All right. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter number 26. We're going to read a couple of verses in the Bible. And then we're going to be commenting on the greatest memorial. The greatest memorial. Matthew chapter 26, the scripture says in verse number 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to your presence this morning and we do give you our thanks for all that you have allowed us to experience. Lord, our hearts are very grateful today for the ability that we have to come into this place and to worship freely. And now, Lord, we've come to this time and we claim and stand on your promise that if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men to yourself. I pray, Lord, that as I preach, you'd protect my mouth, my mind, and I might only say those things that would honor you. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us mightily in this service. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We read this story about the Lord and the Last Supper, if you will. This was when the Lord instituted the ordinance of the Lord's table. If you take your Bible and you flip over to the book of 1 Corinthians, you read what the Apostle Paul said this while the Apostle Paul was not present for the institution of the Lord's Supper. God gave him by special revelation the exact thing that took place there and he recorded that for the church at Corinth. The, the, The ordinance of the Lord's Supper is for the Lord's church. And it was done in particular for one purpose and one main purpose, and that is for remembrance. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 23, the scripture declares of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, so he, he offered a prayer before, he, before they partook of that bread. He gave thanks. He gave thanks to God for the bread. And he broke the bread. I believe that when the Lord broke that bread, I believe it was a crispy wafer. It was unleavened bread baked in an oven. I've met people who partook of the Lord's Supper and they had soft bread. I personally believe that when the Lord broke it, it would remind the very disciples after of the cracking That took place during the whipping and the beating of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he broke that bread, there was a crack. He said, this is my body. That bread was not the body of the Lord, but it represented what took place with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. That bread represented the body. That bread was broken just as the body of Jesus was broken. None of his bones were broken, but our Lord was broken. He was beaten. He was savagely beaten. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails. That little baby that was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger would not always remain in that manger. He lived a life that the Bible says he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He lived the way no man could ever live. He bore burdens that none of us could bear on our own. Only Jesus could have done that. 
And he said in this passage to the Apostle Paul, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Jesus wanted to make sure that no one ever forgot what took place with my body. The whole purpose of the Lord's Supper is don't ever forget what they did to my body. His body was broken. His body was bruised. He had nails put through his hands and feet for me, for my sins, and for yours. His blood was shed, not for his own sins, but for your sins. He said, don't forget my body. He took the cup. The Bible says he took the same manner. He took the cup, which is, which is representative of his blood. He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. Notice, in remembrance of me, Jesus said, remember my body and remember my blood. In Matthew chapter number 26, at the beginning of the chapter, we find that Jesus, right before he was crucified, had a situation take place where he was in someone's home. Matthew 26 and verse number 6 says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. So Jesus was eating his meal. And this woman came. Uh, other passages say that, that, and maybe even here it says that when this, this alabaster box of ointment may have been worth 300 pence. In Bible times, when you worked one day, often a common day's wage would be to get one penny. And that this, this box of ointment was worth 300 days of work. A year's salary, if you will. She was willing to break that box and she put it on the head of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 8, when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye thee the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always for in that she hath poured out this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Jesus, obviously, through the Lord's Supper, wanted people to remember his body and blood, and we'll come back to that. But there were other things that the Lord wanted folks to remember. He said, don't ever forget this woman. You know, the, the disciples didn't understand the great sacrifice that she made. Jesus understood the sacrifice. And Jesus said, what she did was appropriate for me. I'm not always going to be here. She did this and it was a good work. And he also said that wherever the gospel was preached, that this story should be told as memorial of her. In the Old Testament, if you look up the word memorial, you'll find many times that the word memorial is used throughout the books of the law. The books of Genesis through Deuteronomy have many times where the word memorial is used. One of the memorials that the Bible says that you should never forget is the very name of God. Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 15 says, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. That name was Jehovah. 
He is the self-existent one. You as a man or a woman are a finite being. You have a beginning and you have an end in this life. There was a date of your beginning and there's a date to your end. Jesus and God had no beginning. There's no date to where they started. They were there in eternity past, if you will. They're not confined by space and time. When we talk about the incarnation of Jesus Christ when he was born of a woman... He became a man at that point, but he was already existent before. Jesus Christ was existent in the Old Testament. Can I get a witness in this congregation? Jesus Christ didn't begin in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ was existent in the Old Testament. And this day shall be for a memorial in Exodus chapter number 12. And ye shall keep it a feast by the Lord throughout your generations. This was speaking of the Passover feast. It was the Passover that the Lord delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. With a strong hand and a mighty arm, he had to break the pride of Pharaoh and got them out of there. And he said, when you partake of the Passover, you never forget this. And when Jesus told his disciples to gather the materials for the Passover, it was those materials that he instituted the Lord's Supper with. And that's exactly what the whole point is. The Lord doesn't want you to forget certain things. In in Joshua chapter number 4, and we're not going to take time to go through all the times that the the, the word memorial is used. There are some things that happen in life that the Lord does not want us to forget. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But in Joshua chapter number 4, the children of Israel had come up to the Jordan River. The Bible says, you know, it's different crossing the Red Sea than the Jordan River. The Red Sea, when God parted the waters hither and thither, they didn't have to do very much. Moses basically said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the Lord parted the waters. And they, the Bible says they crossed over on dry ground. That's an amazing thing. You ever been, you ever been in the riverbank where the water dried up for a little bit? When you start, first start walking in that, it's awful muddy. But somehow the Lord allowed them to walk over on dry ground. That was a miracle. And the, the Israelites did not cross the Reed Sea. They crossed the Red Sea. That's what the Bible says. By the way, modern archaeology also proves that. Every time one of these codgers tries to prove the Bible wrong, they're all proved wrong. So when they're finding Pharaoh's insignia and wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea because of their modern archaeological discoveries, I'm not surprised one bit because that's exactly where the children of Israel crossed. And they didn't cross because of a drought. They crossed because of a miracle. But when you get to the book of Joshua, they're done traveling around that mountain that they traveled around for 40 years because they didn't believe God. God raised up a whole new generation from 40 years and under or excuse me, 20 years and under, everybody that was going over there, it was a hungry generation, save Joshua and Caleb. And they came up to the Jordan River, and and the the Bible says that the Jordan was overflowing its banks at the time, in Joshua chapter number 3. And the priests that were bearing the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the Ark that had the gold on it, and the mercy seat, and the cherubims over the top, it was a picture of what was actually in heaven. They carried that sacred piece of furniture. And the Bible says that when the feet of the priests were dipped in the water, that the water would part hither and thither. It took an awful lot of faith for those priests to come down to the water when that water was overflowing its banks at the time and put step into the water. <laughs> Way down a little bit deeper as the cathedral sang. Hey, when they got in the water, the waters parted. And they crossed right over into Jericho. It was a miracle of God. And when it got over to the other side, Joshua told the men from the tribes of Israel to go back down into the Jordan and grab stones out of the bottom of that, out of the bottom of the creek bed, or the river bed, and to pull them out of there and to make this heap of stones. 
And in Joshua chapter number 4, after the children would say, Hey, what does this heap of stones mean? What, what are these stones sitting out here for? In verse, chapter 4 and verse 7 of the book of Joshua, it says that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Now, if you're still here in Matthew chapter number 26, here's where we're at when we're, we're here we covered some things about America and our soldiers and those who gave their lives for us today. Sure, we should remember those who gave their lives so that we could worship freely. But there's some other things that we shouldn't forget. I want to say, first of all, if you're saved by the grace of God, it should never get old to you to give your testimony. I thank God for Brother Ethan coming this morning and talking about the false profession that he made when he was young, didn't understand that he was saved or how he was saved, but then he came under conviction later in his life and he trusted the Lord as his Savior. That's a wonderful blessing to give your testimony. If you are saved by the grace of God, you ought to be able to articulate that to somebody else. Well, when did it happen? How did it happen? Where did it happen? You may not remember the day that it happened. You may not remember what day of the week it happened on, but you'll remember where you were when God saved you, if you're a saved person. We used to sing a song in church, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, and one day maybe at the Metropolitan Baptist, this song will be performed here. It was called, It Was On A One Day When Jesus Saved Me. And it goes, It was on a one day when Jesus saved me. It was on a one day. Now you can only say one day if you don't know what day of the week you were saved on. So then we go, it was on a Monday. And then all the people that got saved on Monday stand up. And then you see people in the church who are standing up and got saved on a Monday. And they go through all the days of the week. And I can't wait till they get to Sunday because it was on a Sunday when Jesus saved me. And oh, it was the hand of the Lord. Now some people when we're singing that song can't stand up. Because they don't know when the Lord saved them. They can't give a testimony of salvation. But if God saved your soul, you ought to be able to tell the people in your life how you got saved and when you got saved. And for those people that didn't remember, I don't remember if it was a Sunday or a Monday. I had a previous pastor. We got to the point, we were all the way through the song, and the pastor of the church didn't stand up. And then we started singing. It was on a one day when Jesus saved me. He said, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I know I got saved. So we sang, it was on a one day when Jesus saved me. And aren't you thankful that you're saved this morning if you're saved? You should never forget the day that you got saved. You should always keep that on your mind. You should use your testimony to bring other people to the Lord. You know, if you read through the book of Acts, you'll find that some of the most influential people in the book of Acts were always ready to give their testimony. I used to go to a jail preach with this guy named Brother Russell, and he, he said that when he was young and when he was out of the will of God, that he would, he, would drop, he would fight at the drop of a hat, and sometimes he was the one dropping the hat. <laughs> like he was trying to drop the hat in order to get into a fight. Well, now he was preaching in the jails, and he would do everything he could to give his testimony about how he got saved on the back of a tractor when he was 36 years old. How that God came into that tractor along with them and he was under conviction and he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ in the back of his tractor. God changed his life. I want to tell you something, friend. God changes your life. You, go, you be like the Apostle Paul. Read through the book of Acts. How many times was he just hunting to give somebody that time when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus and saved his life and saved his soul? Listen, don't let too much time cross in your life without you giving your testimony to somebody else. 
You'll never know how God can use that. Never forget your testimony. Some of the things that were supposed to be for a memorial in the Old Testament. The Passover. The crossing of the Jordan River. The name of the Lord. These were things that the Lord never wanted people to forget. It was the times that the Lord reached down and helped them. I'm somebody who stands before you today and I didn't get here all by myself. I had a lot of help. Today, as Brother Ethan gave his testimony, he, was, he thanked God. And then at the end, he thanked his dad, probably thanked his dad more than his mom. That was pretty funny. But you know, Ethan wasn't able to stand up here without the help of his parents. They invested in him. He's a product of what his parents invested. I stand up before you today. You know how many preachers have shaped my thinking? Just this very week, I heard that my home church where I came from in Michigan was taking up a special offering for a roof. I don't know what part of the building needs a new roof. But when I heard the church was taking up an offering, I started thinking about my life. How that my thinking was shaped inside the walls of that building. How that the preachers who got behind the pulpit and preached the word of God to me helped shape the way that I think. And help me in my life. I met my wife in that congregation. I was baptized. I was called to preach. I had my first three children there. And I just started going through my life. Thinking about the goodness of God. God doesn't want you to forget when he's helped you. And there should be some watershed moments in your life. When you can remember. I didn't know how I was going to make my next dollar. But the Lord came through for me. That's our God. He wants you to set some things up as a memorial. And when your children see it, they say, hey, what does this mean? How, what does this mean to you? There ought to be some special things that you have in your life that you set up as a memorial. We don't have time to fully develop all the things that you should have as a memorial in your life. But the most and the greatest thing that you can have in your life is this relationship with the man they call Jesus. Who in Matthew chapter number 26 was talking to his disciple about his body and about his blood. I want to encourage you today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ by way of salvation, you've never received Him by faith, you don't have a testimony of salvation, then I want to encourage you to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Peter preached in Acts chapter 4 neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it's only the name of Jesus have you received Jesus? have you taken him as your savior? have you ever come in repentant faith before the Lord? you say what's repentant faith? that means when you felt sorry for your sin and you didn't want your sin so much as you wanted Christ you say but you don't even know all your sins you're absolutely right you don't know all the sins that you committed when you come to Christ. But what you do know about, you're not holding on to. I don't want this no more. I want Jesus. That's the attitude of a sinner who comes to the Lord. The attitude of, of, of a sinner who comes to the Lord is not shown by the rich young ruler. Who said, Lord, what do I got to do to get to heaven? And Jesus said, obey the commandments. He says, I've done all that. He said, go sell what you have and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. Because his possessions were great. He wasn't going to follow the Lord. 
The attitude of a repentant sinner is that of that publican who stood afar off, who beat upon his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man goes down to his house justified. You know, the whole point of that story is this. You don't get saved without being humble. Humility is a part of the package. You know, it would be a sad day if somebody has been sitting on the pews of an independent Baptist church, sitting under the preaching of the gospel, sitting under the preaching of a Bible that has the power to save their life, would die in their pride and not go to heaven. Be ashamed since that bill has been paid. Paid in full. Jesus Christ paid for all the sins of all the world, even paid for yours. But you don't get saved till you come to Christ and receive Him by faith. If you don't know the Lord by way of salvation, I want, to ha- I want to tell you this Memorial Day weekend, why don't you believe in Jesus Christ? It's the greatest memorial of all time. His death, His burial, His resurrection is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of this old world. And when you get to the judgment day, the Lord is going to hold you accountable for whether you believed it and received it or whether maybe you heard it and reject it and you didn't receive it. Now I want to tell you today, friend, the Lord loves you. The Bible says in the book of Peter that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody to get saved. And He's made a way for everyone to get saved. The day I got saved, I started thinking in my heart. Here was a question that came to my heart the day I got saved. I said, what am I doing here lost? Why am I still lost? Jesus paid for my sin debt. He paid it all. Why am I standing here and not receiving the Lord? And I determined in my heart, this is it for me. I don't want to be lost another moment. And I came down to the old-fashioned altar. And I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And He saved my never-dying soul. And I've never been lost a day since. Even when I failed the Lord, He's never left me. The Bible talks about me being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise after I've been saved. I believe that when I got saved, the Lord sent His Holy Spirit into my heart, which is the earnest of my inheritance. God gave me a down payment that said, hey, you are a purchased possession. No matter how young or old you are today, I want to encourage you. Don't die lost. Don't die lost. You know, one of the, and I've probably given you this illustration before. I'm a man who says the same things over and over again. I've told you the story before how a man in that home church, I remember as my thoughts were being shaped about what salvation was and what it wasn't, how one of our deacons in our home church came running down the aisle and nearly tackled the preacher one day and said, I'm lost. Took some great humility. Everybody in the church thought he was saved, but he knew himself he wasn't saved. You know how many people don't come down and humble themselves and say, I'm lost because of what other people would think about them, because of the humility that it would take. I just want to encourage you today. Take that pride. Push it out. Pride holds you from the Lord. The Bible says God resists the proud, but He'll give grace to the humble. And may God add a blessing to the preaching of His Word this morning. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As we prepare for this verse of invitation, the pianist will come. In just a moment, Sister Deborah's just going to be playing I Surrender All. And as the music plays, if you're lost today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, won't you come? I also want to say this. There are people who come into the Lord's house bearing heavy burdens. You may be carrying a burden today that nobody else can see. It might be a problem in your life, your employment, your marriage, your children. 
and you haven't taken too much time today to either pray about it or get on your knees before the Lord, could be that you need to come to the altar and you need to give some problems over to the Lord and just ask God to help you again. Believe on Him to help you. You may need to get somebody that's a friend of you, friend of yours in the church and say, hey, would you pray with me? I want to encourage you today. As the invitation is, playing the song I Surrender All, I encourage you to be saved. I encourage you to get the help from God. Let's all sing that first verse together. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. play with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Is there somebody here today, you don't know the Lord, you're under conviction, you need to get saved. Right now, won't you step out? Come on down here, we'll help you. If you're lost, you can be saved. You don't need to wait another moment. If you know you're lost, and you need to get saved. Don't let anything in your heart hold you back from receiving Christ. God doesn't want you to delay. If you're fully convinced that you need to be saved, take that first step in faith and courage. Say, hey, today, I don't want to be lost another moment. I want Jesus to save me. With faith, he'll do that. If God's spoken to you about something else today, maybe it's something about Memorial Day. Maybe you've got a family member who's a, a veteran. You want to come thank God. For those who invested in you, May God have his way as we sing verse number two. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now. another verse in just a moment you could be here today as a Christian and you may be fighting against God on something Christian man pride's never going to help you trying to figure it all out is not going to help you if God wanted something to be different he could certainly arrange it to be so but some sit and they struggle and struggle instead of surrendering that pride to the Lord they choose to stand and fight just want to encourage you You'll never get anywhere in your pride. God will resist you. 
It's always better to surrender. And by the way, the song doesn't say, I surrender some. Some people want to surrender some of their pride. Some things I'll surrender to the Lord, but I'm going to keep that. I surrender all. It's good to surrender all that to the Lord. Be humble with the Lord. Let Him be God. Let Him determine our paths in life. He'll, he's, he's a clear God. He says, you, you seek me, you're going to find me. He promises to lead us into the paths of righteousness for His namesake. He promises that. Let's sing this verse together. If no one else comes, we'll close. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. Sing out. God's people said, amen. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by being in our service today. Uh, It's good to have Camille's mother with us today. It's my first time getting a chance to meet her. I told her that I did not believe in any way, shape, or form that she is Camille's mother. Uh, She doesn't look old enough to be Camille's mom. But uh, we thank God that you visited with his sister and pray that your heart's been filled with his, his grace. And I thank you for coming today. I see other visitors with us today. I want you to feel welcome at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. No matter what your background or where you came from, uh, you ought to and should feel that our church is friendly, that we're loving. And we have a lot of incredible uh, people that make up this church. And a lot of people make our services go the way that they go. And one thing that we have here at the Metropolitan Baptist Church are some people who know how to cook food. And uh, what is on the menu today? Does anybody have kind of a preview for us so that we could put some hooks in the water? Who, what are we eating today? Go on. Pork loin, brisket. What are, Pepper Jack macaroni. And I want to give it to Miss Starla today. Miss Starla brought our, our sheepdog. Now, we have guarded security here because we want to keep people safe who come to church. We don't ever want to have a security incident. And I want to say from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate Chester Cabler for guarding that door. I also want to say to Miss Starla, who brought him a nice burrito, egg, a bunch of stuff I can't eat this morning. He said, Starla's getting guarded today. I said, you can put her on the principal list, you know, like she's at the top to be guarded because she brought Brother Chester food. But, uh, our, okay, so I heard some meats and I heard something else that I can't eat, like pepper jack macaroni and cheese. What else? What can I eat? Anybody bring any sugar-free desserts? Beef stew salad. Somebody brought a salad. That doesn't bring joy to my heart, sister. I mean, yeah, salad. You know, no. I wanted something more like a... Woo! Spirit's getting moving in here now. Uh, chicken enchilada. All right, now, 
If you didn't bring any food, don't worry. Now, I want to go over some church etiquette before we leave. Church etiquette. This is coming from your pastor. If you eat the food, clean it up. Don't leave your dishes for somebody else to clean up after you. I grew up in a home that required me to take my dishes to the sink. Another thing I'd like to say, if you've never had the privilege of taking a garbage out with full drinks inside of it, you know what happens when you take the garbage out, when you throw a full drink in there? You drag the remainder of your drink to the floor, and then somebody else has to clean that up. This is what I want to encourage you. Don't do that. Don't create more work for others. Do something kind for someone else. If somebody makes you a meal, the least you could do is say thank you and to try to clean up after yourself and also not make more work for the other people who are serving. And you know, another thing is, if you want to help clean up tables, wipe off a table, or even take a garbage bag out, we are not going to tell you no. As a matter of fact, it might be good for some of you to get a little exercise, get your steps in, you know, taking that out. But uh, that's just a little bit of church etiquette. Not to be mean, but uh, we just we definitely want to encourage you. You know, this isn't a restaurant, even though you're going to get fed better than you'd get fed at a restaurant today. And uh, I want to say before we even get over there to the gym, thank you for those who took time this morning to bring food for all of us to sit around this table. I want God to bless the hands of those who made this food. And I want to, I want to show my gratefulness and our appreciation to them. Now listen, we're here to celebrate our graduates, okay? We got three of them this, this year. Get around to the graduates' tables and uh, give them a gift if you have something to give to them. And at least tell them that you're proud of them. Amen? And uh, take this time to fellowship. You know, don't be in a hurry to go. Get to know somebody that you don't normally eat with. If you see somebody who's visiting with us, get to know what their names are. Sit down and eat with them. You might learn something about somebody else. And uh, that'll be a real blessing. You know, some churches even have fellowship Sundays where the pastor will say, you know what? We're not going to have church service tonight, but everybody who's a part of the church is going to take, should take somebody out who they've never been out to eat with before. That's really good for people to get to know each other and build relationships. Let's use this next few moments as we go to the gym to really enjoy each other's presence. Amen? Let's have a good time. I'm going to ask one of our church's best chefs and best servants, Brother Jeffrey Evans, if you'd dismiss the service in prayer, please. Father, we come to you in Thank you for what you've accomplished here today. Thank you for our patriots who served, especially those who died. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you. Praise you. Praise you.